on the field, inside the clubhouse, and everything in between. This is Brewers Weekly. Here's Dominic Catronio. A full week of games under our belt and a full week of content here on WTMJ. Welcome back into our third and final Brewers Weekly show live of the week. I'm Dominic Catronio. Man, it has been quite the week here. Appreciate everybody for listening, for hanging out with us. Let me give you a quick rundown of what to get to today. We're only going to go for 90 minutes today because the Bucks are playing tonight. Weird 9 o'clock tip-off down in Chicago. So we're going until 8.30 up until uh, Bucks talk takes over and then get ready for Bucks and Bulls down at the United Center. What we're going to talk about today is a big part of it is the infield and Reese Hoskins specifically. We saw a couple of the stars get into the lineup today. Both Reese Hoskins and Christian Yelich started their first games of the spring. The Brewers won today, by the way, by a final of 4-3, to three, but these games don't matter, so don't get ahead of yourself. Brewer Hicklin hit a go-ahead solo homer in the bottom of the eighth inning, so that was fun. As for the guys that you care about, Garrett Mitchell let off. He was 0 for 2 with a walk. William Contreras in the two spot, 1 for 3 with a single. Christian Yelich, he was 0 for 2, just two at bats for him today, and also played left field. Pretty boring day for him. Reese was in the cleanup spot. He was 0 for 2 with a walk and a pair of strikeouts, just getting the eyes back. He also scored from first. More on that in the next next segment. And we saw Willie batting fifth and Tyler Black batting sixth. Willie was one for three with a single, by the way. So we'll give him some lineup thoughts and some infield thoughts coming up here a little later on in the program. We're just going to kind of touch base at some of the major positions. All right? We're going to talk about the infield. We're going to talk about the outfield. We got some news on both the backup catcher and starting pitching roles uh, for some what's going down with the Brew Crew right now. Also... Have a conversation a little bit later with Joe Ross, who pitched yesterday. He is auditioning for this rotation, which is kind of out there right now. But I I think with the news that we got today, he is firmly in the race to be in the five or so, however many the Brewers decide to use, coming up for the regular season. If you want to join the program, I've got the text line up, 855-616-1620. Once again, that is 855-616-1620. 1620. You can call in, you can text in. We'd love to hear from you as we get into some thoughts, wrapping up this full week of spring training coverage. If you have missed any of our coverage, just go back to Brewers All Access, wherever you get your pods, and find our last two episodes from Monday and Wednesday. Monday features Chris Hook, Wednesday features Matt Arnold. With today being a shorter show, we're going to save uh, our guest of Garrett Mitchell hopefully for next week, because next week we're going to be a podcast only show due to the State of the Union being carried here on WTMJ and also a couple of Bucks games as conflicts. So we're going to have a podcast for you that still drops into your feeds. It's just not going to be live on WTMJ next week. So stay with us with everything that's going down next week. Okay, let's start talking about Reese Hoskins and what today meant for him. He was the DH, did not play defense. We had a chance to catch up with him. We'll hear from him. We'll hear from Pat Murphy. All of that coming up just getting started here for your last of the week edition of Brewers Weekly from Spring Training right here on WTMJ. Welcome back. I'm Dominic Catronio. We're going until 8.30 tonight leading you into the Bucks game against the Bulls. But right now we are talking about the news of the day. And the main piece of news today is, of course, Reese Hoskins making his return to the field. First time playing in a game since last spring training. 
He came close to returning at the end of last year for the playoffs. If the Phillies had made it to the World Series, there was an opportunity for Reese to maybe join that roster, and he gets into that a little bit in our conversation here after today's game. The, the big thing to know about Reese after he drew a four-pitch walk in his first at-bat, a ball was lined in the left center field off the bat of Tyler Black, and uh, the baby Friars were here today. They were a split squad today, so a lot of the regulars stayed back in Peoria and played there, and a lot of the rookies and maybe out-of-position guys were in Maryville today, and one of those out-of-position guys is their top prospect, Jackson Merrill. Normally a shortstop, they're trying to teach him the outfield, and in center field, he never really took charge of a ball, and it split him and the left fielder, and it rolled to the warning track, and Reese Hoskins was already planning on going first to third with two outs, trying to push it there, and then all of a sudden he looks up and he sees Lane sending him. So it was pretty funny to see him score from first and a great test. So let's hear from Reese Hoskins after how he felt from today's game and a few questions from us folks in the media. Take a listen. That ball go, go past the outfielder. What are you thinking? Well, you know, it's a, a play we've been working on, just base running, right, the, the left fielder going into the gap, taking the bag at third, and like, all right, this is a nice little, um, you know, first first play, first reaction, and then Laner weighs me home. Like, <laughs> you sure? Um, but, yeah, it's nice that, you know, like I said, that's not a play that you can really plan for um, just to get some of that reactionary type plays out of the way. Um, and my first taste was was nice, right? Like, that doesn't give you time to think. Um, just react, and all, all went well. Do you know um, right now as to when you might get some shots in the field at first base, or is that going to be a, kind of a more of a gradual ramp up to Yeah, I'm sure there will still be some sort of ramp. Um, I know it's something that you know we're kind of going to take as we go here. Um, it's obviously great that today went well, but I've learned that it's always about how it goes tomorrow. So, um, yeah, I mean, I'm thinking soon, right? We're, we're now in March. Got to get my legs underneath me and be able to play in the field. So um, I don't know the exact day, but I'm hoping soon. Compared to October when you were trying to come back, how does it feel compared to that to what you felt today when getting game action? Yeah, night and day, really. Um, you know, in October I was wearing the big, um, big knee brace, so you know, kind of clunky there, and still wasn't clear to do like a ton of like ground ball stuff. So just like not moving as well. Um, but, you know, after a full off season of being able to try to gain, regain some strength and, um, you know, take ground balls and, and just have a pretty normal off season, um, feels nothing like it did in October. Is the big thing to be able to go out there and just not think about it? Are you to that point where you just don't, it doesn't even register with you? Yeah, I think it is the big thing. Um, I'm not sure I'm there just because this is the first game. Um, I've gotten to that point, you know, in, in practice or just bef- going throughout a day um, here of not really thinking about it while I'm on the field. So um, didn't today while on the bases or in the box, um, you know, the next step will obviously just be at first base. What are your uh, first impressions of being hitting in the middle of the order, you know, with Yelly and yep. William yeah. around you? Yeah, these guys can hit. Um, you know, I've obviously watched most of them. Oh, all of them, really, from from the other side. Um, but just getting a, an up close and personal look about how they're taking it bad, and um, you know, I, I like to I like to talk to our guys, especially the guys that are hitting around um, each other, just to see you know what the pitches look like, um, shape, movement, just things like that. So 
cool to get to pick those gra- those guys' brains today in a game situation just to see what they see. And um, Yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited to see uh, just what the middle of the lineup is going to end up looking like. Is there a number of plate appearances at bats that you'd like to get to? Because, I mean, we still, it's only March, but sure. is there something that you look forward to get to? Yeah, it, just throughout my career, if I can get to that, like, 50, 60 mark, um, I've usually seen enough pitches that the eyes are going. Um, I felt good, I felt bad, and I've probably felt good again. So um, it's usually about that 50 or 60 mark. And, you know, Murph, Murph was straight up with me right when, when I got here and just said, you know, you got to let me know what you need. Um, so we'll get try to get to that that number. He's pretty uh, on his way. Three down and maybe 47, you know, 50-ish more to go with about three and a half weeks left of games. The Brewers, in a way, they get that benefit of getting those last two extra days here in Arizona before flying to New York for their opener. They don't have to fly to go to Milwaukee to go do like a couple of extra exhibitions or go do like some teams will play in their home ballpark if they're going on to somewhere else or something like that. No, they're just going to get two more games in here on that Monday and Tuesday, fly immediately after the game on Tuesday, have the day in New York on Wednesday, and then opening day on Thursday. So still plenty of time for Reese to get those plate appearances and at-bats in. And that's not even including maybe some of the, the lives and simulated games he's already played in so far. I wanted to hear from his manager as well, Pat Murphy, on uh, what he saw from Reese Hoskins. And specifically first, starting with him being able to score from first. Laner, Laner had said to me, he came in, he goes, I exhausted all the options very quickly of Reese going from first to home. So I knew it would never happen. There was no chance. So I was thinking, okay, make sure, you know, uh, think of, you know, ways to create two hits or two times on base, whatever it was. And then sure enough, he scored from first. Later's like, I was certain that couldn't happen. <laughs> what, what you're thinking of there, if you're Jason Lane, third base coach, a.k.a. Laner, is, okay, if I'm going to give this guy a green light, here are the scenarios. Like, you know, think back to Little League, and your coach would tell you to look around at the outfielders, right, and look at where everybody's playing and get a picture of that in your mind to be ready to be sent. You know, third base coaches do that too. So what they're doing is, okay, if the ball is down the left field line and with the left fielder playing so far over to the gap, maybe I'm going to send them there. Or maybe the ball's in right center field, and this isn't specifically for Reese, I'm just saying in general. You know, if a ball, if Garrett Mitchell's on first base and there's a ball into the right center field gap, you're probably going to think about sending him in, in, in that respect. So there's little things that he goes through, so that's why Laner was joking. I went through all the scenarios. I didn't think I was going to be sending him, and lo and behold, an error is the reason why he sent him. But uh, jokes aside, Pat Murphy was really excited to see Reese back on the field. Yes, he was only DHing. But there were some some key elements to today's game. Yeah, I mean, with adrenaline and all the things, a game, a real game. He did some things on the backfield the last week, but to see him back in a real game kind of touches you a little bit. You know, a guy that's been in the league that long and is loved by as many people as he's loved by, and to see that, you know, him actually competing again. You know, and you could see he had some adrenaline. It was, it was pretty cool. He was really happy about Reese, and, and Pat, he knows how to read people. He is really thrilled for his clubhouse and how excited he is for the quality of humans and the guys that he has 
in this clubhouse. So let's let's piggyback off this conversation about Reese Hoskins not you know not playing the infield yet, but let's start talking a little bit more specifically about the infield because next week is going to be a really big week. Let me explain why coming up after the break right here on your home of the Brewers, WTMJ. It's Brewers Weekly on WTMJ. All right, welcome back. I'm Dominic Catronio. If you want to join in on the program, 855-616-1620. Again, 855-616-1620. Reese Hoskins figures to be the everyday first baseman for the Brewers. Now, there will be times that they need to give him a day as a DH and give him a little breather and stay off his feet for a day. But let's spend this segment talking about the infield and what that picture and how crowded that picture really is as things stand at the moment. Let me preface this with a brief tease of the catcher conversation, which is coming up a little bit later on in the program. The Brewers are trying to figure out, A, if Gary Sanchez is going to be healthy enough for opening day. He has not hit batting practice with an actual baseball. He hit BP the other day, but with the soft baseballs. And two, they need to decide if they're going to carry three catchers or not even with or without Gary Sanchez. The issue is his right hand, his throwing hand. So I don't imagine he would be catching any games uh, if he can't throw full speed. And furthermore, he hasn't even hit a baseball yet. They're hoping to find out in the next 10 or so days if he's going to be able to be on track without any further setbacks for opening day. So the reason why that makes it interesting for the infield is because you're going to need a lot of versatility on that infield. You know you've got Reese at first. You know you've got Willie at short, but then you've got kind of a host of a of an audition here of Joey Ortiz, of Bryce Terang, of Andrew Monasterio, of Jake Bowers, all sort of in this hat of, okay, well, which one is going to be an everyday infielder? I don't see Oliver Dunn making the team. Yes, he's already on the 40-man roster, but he hasn't even played at AAA yet. He's got all three options remaining, so no no need to rush it there yet. Owen Miller also has one option year remaining. Uh, he obviously had the great May last year, but not much else to write home about. They also have depth with Vinny Capra. He's got one more option year remaining, so he's another utility infielder that can play all over as well as uh, the uh, Christian Arroyo pickup, which is a sneaky good pickup. He'll give you some depth who can literally play every single position. But as things stand right now, I- I'm looking at Bryce, and I'm looking at Joey Ortiz. You know, Obviously, you can roll out a defensive lineup with, say, Joey Ortiz at third, Adamas at short, Terang at second, and Hoskins at first, and that's maybe the best infield defense in the National League, and that's even with Reese Hoskins being considered a league average defender. If Joey Ortiz instead is more of a second baseman and viewed to be up the middle, and they want to put Andrew Monasterio over at third base, then things get a little more cloudy for Bryce, given he really only plays up the middle. He really only plays short and second base. And furthermore, I was thinking about this the other day. I mean, this is not going to happen this year, but with, with all the Sal Freelick stuff about him maybe playing third base, and we haven't seen it for a few days, and he made that great diving catch in right field on Wednesday in Tempe, I, I'm just sitting here thinking, like, I, I think it's more of a in-case-of-emergency scenario where he can play the infield. 
I don't foresee him starting regular season games on the infield at this point. It goes back to that versatility conversation we're having, right? Where if you're going to carry three catchers, so two of them are going to be on your bench, or at least one's going to be on your bench, and one's going to be your DH every single game, it seems like. So if Haas is going to be available off the bench, maybe uh, you know Pat Murphy will be aggressive and pinch-hitting for Gary Sanchez in a right-on-right situation he doesn't like and brings in a Jake Bowers off the bench to get that that platoon advantage. These are things that I'm just starting to think about now as we're less than four weeks away from opening day. I know I have staked my claim and I have you know really stumped for Tyler Black. I think at this point it's really a roster crunch situation because Tyler, while he's had an incredible year the last year, He's a non-roster invitee. He's hitting. He is not on the 40-man roster. And the defense hasn't been brilliant. Now, they've been auditioning him a lot for that backup first baseman role. They want him to learn first base just in case. Even though the majority of his time, as you heard in Wednesday's show, has been spent at third base. He's still learning. Like today in particular, as great as a couple of plays were the other day uh, against the Angels, Today was not so great. I mean, he was out in no man's land to his right, really kind of letting the third baseman take over and try to get to any ball he could, not being a first baseman who's already playing off the line. He found himself out of position, couldn't make the play there. Uh, I, I worry about him at first base. We haven't seen a ton of him at third, but I, I think at this point for for Tyler Black, it's going to be tough for him to make this team out of spring training. Now, injuries can happen. Uh, underwhelming performances can happen. I, I still think we could see Tyler by the end of the season. Now, he's only got about, what, uh, you know, th- barely 30 games in AAA under his belt. Not that it's needed to go to AAA, but maybe they want to get him a little bit more seasoning. But if I had to guess right now, and this is still very, very early, I still want to see a little more offense from a guy like uh, Bryce Terang, even though we know what the glove is. I, I still see a scenario where... Joey Ortiz is your third baseman. Adamas is your short. Terang is second. Hoskins at first. And Andrew Monasterio would be that backup infielder on your bench, along with Jake Bowers, given Bowers is a true first baseman and really would be the only one on the bench that can play first base without Reese Hoskins in the lineup. And that would leave a backup catcher, and that would also leave uh, a fourth outfielder. And we'll get into the outfit in a little bit. I think Andrew currently has the edge because, A, the glove's really good, and, B, he's got bat-to-ball skills that are, yes, he doesn't have power per se, but he has something that the Brewers like, and that is the ability to put the ball in play. And in a pinch, he can play short, even though now you've got really four shortstops between Adamas, Ortiz, Terang, and maybe Monastery if you want to include him. But he can play third, and he can play second. And I wonder what the Brewers will be thinking in that regard. So that's just a quick little soapbox on how I feel about the infield, but let's let's parlay that into a little bit of catching thoughts. What do you think? 855-616-1620. Again, 855-616-1620. we got some news on the catching front. We mentioned it briefly about Gary Sanchez, but let's uh, break some of that down and what the Brewers' decisions have looming for them. We, this is our last Brewers Weekly of the week. It's been a long week of spring training coverage, but we still got another hour to go on this program tonight. Stay with us. This is WTMJ. This is Brewers Weekly on WTMJ. Breaking down the catchers now here on WTMJ. First and foremost, before we start breaking it down, uh, Pat Murphy was extremely complimentary 
of William Contreras in today's media session because William was in there once again batting second and catching. He has caught a ton so far this spring training. I mean, he's been in there more than any other catcher now after today, rather, uh, just three innings back of Jefferson Cairo, which is to be expected this time of year. But the fact that your starting catcher is now the second most innings behind the plate, he's right there with Eric Haas, and they're, they both caught 16 innings, extremely complimentary of him wanting to be in there, get to know his pitchers even more, uh, a year removed from being the newcomer in camp. And uh, he's really looking forward to seeing him take the leap this year, taking his job, taking his craft even more seriously. Uh, there, there's a, there's some certainly some lofty goals and some lofty expectations on William Contreras, but it's because they believe he can reach those heights as maybe the best catcher on best dual threat catcher on the National League. I mean, up there in the in the conversations of a JT Real Muto, uh, up there in the conversations of a Will Smith sort of catcher in the National League. So I'm looking forward to seeing what he can do. And maybe, maybe, Brewers fans are aggressive. They can send him to Arlington and be in the All-Star Game this year. Yep, the All-Star Game is down in Texas at brand new Globe Life Field. But all of this to say, I also asked about Eric Haas today and the fact that he's in a very difficult situation because Haas, you remember, was one of the first moves of the offseason signing him to be what seemingly was the backup catcher role. Detroit guy, lunch pail attitude. You've heard all the cliches before. But from what I gather and in, in talking to folks around the team, they were really excited about Eric. They are thrilled with the way that he has approached this spring training, getting to know his new staff. He's caught a ton of innings. He's caught a ton of bullpens. I know the bat hasn't been super uh, impressive at this point in his career for Eric Haas, but you got to think that Detroit and that ballpark has suppressed some of his offense as well. And I see Eric Haas as being kind of in a thankless position right now, where on one hand, Haas has to be ready in case he's the backup catcher. You know, if Gary's hand never really heals up in time for opening day and Haas is going to be your backup catcher, he has to make sure he is ready for that. But then on the other hand, it's probably more likely that he gets, you know, put through waivers and the Brewers would hope he stays in the organization as a triple uh, a catcher but there is the risk that somebody could pluck him right at the end of spring training if the Brewers decide that gary is healthy enough to be the backup catcher for the brewers regular season I, there is a scenario though where gary has to start the year on the injured list and it allows haas to make the team and you kind of kick that can that decision a little bit further down the road but haas again was complimented by his manager pat murphy about the fact that it's hard, and he hasn't expressed the difficulty or woe is me. I thought I was the guy, and he's handled it very, very well. So I wanted to bring that up about Eric Haas as well. I'm going to try to talk to him a little bit more next week and uh, hear from some of the pitchers about throwing to him and, and that sort of thing. But then let, let's really explore, as we talked about in the last segment, a three-catcher setup. The Brewers have not been really committal to it, but I was thinking back to last year when we were having these conversations about – William Contreras arriving, and he still had Victor Caratini, but there wasn't really another catcher in camp that was seriously being considered to be a, a, a backup catcher, you know, to be a third catcher. Now, there were options, of course, within the organization, but, you know, I, I remember asking Craig Council, like, hey, have you ever thought about a third catcher? And he's like, yeah, no, we're not going to do that. 
Like, okay, all right, I guess. But then this year we asked Pat Murphy about it. He's like, you know, I mean, I don't want to say no. And he starts to think about it and talk out loud. I'm not, you know, saying like, oh, my gosh, take it to the bank. They're going to carry three catchers. But I, I think that given how much they're going to lean on William, on days that he's not catching, he's going to be DHing. And days that, you know, let's say, Gary makes the team and, and Gary is behind the plate, and maybe you get a matchup you don't like or something clicks or something goes wrong and having to pull the DH spot, it was shocking, shocking to me that the Brewers made it all year long with only two catchers, especially given the second half of the year. They were really demanding a lot out of William and almost kind of saying, all right, we're rolling the dice. We're waiting for something to happen. Just takes one foul ball in the wrong spot, and you burn your DH for the game, and you have to make some roster moves. The Brewers were one of only three teams all of last season that only used two catchers the entire season. That's extremely rare. And I'm sitting here watching Eric Haas get ready for the season. We haven't even seen Gary Sanchez hit actual baseballs or live pitching yet, and we're less than three weeks away from spring training. I'm just going to monitor that. Maybe we'll check in again on this in two weeks' time to see how Gary is feeling and see what we've learned in the last few weeks. But... Don't immediately reject it, given the versatility that this this roster has on defense, given you have a surplus of outfielders between Yelich, between Trurio, between Mitchell, between Freelich, and I haven't even mentioned uh, Weimer or Perkins or Capra, right? So there, there's plenty of options in the outfield. And then the infield, you've got Ortiz, who can play all three spots. You've got Willie, who's going to be an everyday shortstop. You've got Terang, who can play all three spots, and likely... Monasterio or Miller who can play all all three spots and Bowers who can play first and corner outfield that versatility is where the Brewers are set up for maybe maybe rolling with a three catcher setup but it won't be a traditional three catcher setup because Gary will be primarily the DH so it gives him a little bit more flexibility again still time to figure this stuff out 27 days away and you have to make sure that Gary is healthy before any decisions are made of course this team's notorious for making last minute decisions let's shift gears now let's talk about some pitching let's have a conversation Joe Ross one of the newest brewers we're going to chat with him coming up next right here on WTMJ Brewers Weekly on WTMJ Joe Ross has been through it the last few years, and here he is back healthy. He hasn't pitched in a big league game since 2021 when he made 19 starts with the Nationals, throwing 108 innings. Uh, he has been mixture of bullpen, starter, injured. A lot has gone down for him the last few seasons, but he's finally healthy. He pitched yesterday against the Texas Rangers, two innings one hit, one run, a wild pitch, scored that run. He also had a walk and a hit batter. He faced nine hitters, and uh, here he is trying to make sure he is good to go and healthy for 2024. We caught up with Joe today in the clubhouse. Take a listen. All right, Joe, you had your first, you know, or I should say you've had a couple of outings, this first one, you know, get in front of fans, and how did everything feel first and foremost with the arm, with the shoulder, with the elbow, everything you kind of been through the last few years? Uh, honestly, it felt really good. Um, I kind of knew I was going to be, you know, overly amped up 
Um, obviously, it's been a while since I pitched in a big league game, you know, spring training or not. Uh, so I, I kind of uh, put myself out there to warm up a little bit later than normal, just because I knew, you know, balls gonna be coming out um, hot, and I was gonna try not try not to waste any bullets, you know. Um, but I felt great, and stuff was coming out well. I feel like my command was pretty good. I had a walk and hit batter, but. Um, you know, nothing that hasn't happened before. So, uh, overall, pretty happy about you know how it went, and you know, kind of, kind of glad to feel like I'm officially part of the team now that I've been in every all spring training game. So let's talk about the process of when the Brewers called, and from even back to when you finished your rehab, and trying to make sure you're healthy, just getting short spurts right there at the very end of the season. Then take us through when the Brewers called and figured out, okay, this is probably where I'm going to build up and get ready for my season. Yeah, uh, last year I spent you know the whole year rehabbing with San Francisco um, down here in Arizona, and you know got out to rehab assignment. I want to say mid-August, so I was with San Jose for about two weeks, I think, and then uh, was cleared and went to AAA. And I think I had about three starts, uh, two of them being really good. The last one, uh, last game of the year, not my best, but it's you know you're you're due for a bad game every once in a while. Um, but I felt really good at the end of the year, and I was definitely happy to, you know, clear the rehab process and, and get back on the field. Um, I feel like I fell a little short of my overall goal for the year of getting back to the big leagues, but, you know, it's kind of sometimes you don't hit them all. So um, it is what it is. But, you know, I, I finished the year feeling really good, and that was, like, the main goal for me. Um, and then as far as the offseason and, and uh, free agency, you know, once I found out that I was a free agent, um, I think the Brewers were the first – I think they were the first team to call uh, my agent, and I feel like they were kind of all over me from the beginning. Um, and it just kind of felt like opportunity-wise to continue to start and you know play for a team that is competing. And you know that's that's a factor that you know when you're coming back from injury, you know it's a it's a plus. I feel like to be able to make that kind of decision where it's sometimes it's just hey let's get back on the field and let's get on the roster that kind of thing. But um, to be able to join a team that's had success and is hoping to continue to have success uh, is is pretty unique. I think uh, as an opportunity. Um, but yeah, I mean I feel like pretty early on they were on me and kind of felt like a good fit and uh you know so far it's been good so i'm looking forward to you know the rest of spring training obviously in the start of the season so you answered one of my next questions coming up i mean the starter question you know you, you've joined a very busy pitching room here and it's a really quite frankly talented pitching development side of things yeah. too what are the factors of like okay so you're clearly being built up as a starter and what is the communication like with the brewers of trying to make sure that you audition for this role and see what you can do for the for the regular season uh, yeah, I mean, I, they've definitely voiced uh, from Murph and the training staff and everyone that, you know, let us know how you're feeling, obviously coming off the injury um, and hoping to, you know, make a good amount of starts, or at least I am hoping. Um, it's important, you know, to, to be open and, and say, hey, maybe I need to skip a start or maybe I'm hanging a little bit today, you know, just uh, kind of have a clear line of communication. Um, and I think that'll go a long way, you know, as we progress through the season. But, um, you know, with... Uh, Freddie, obviously, I think going to be our opening day guy. I feel like after that, it's kind of, you know, we've had an open competition, it seems like, for starting positions. And, uh, you know, I, I don't really take that lightly. So um, every year I feel like I come in to, to compete, no matter what, you know, my situation is coming into spring training. And obviously being with a new org, you kind of got to uh, cement your place, you know, if you want to start the season with the roster. And, um, you yeah, know, that's what I'm trying to do here in spring training. Let's talk a little bit about the repertoire. We're still rolling with the same four standard, or are we trying any wrinkles this spring? Is there anything we can look forward to uh, a few wrinkles yeah i mean I, I think the last couple of years i've been throwing more four seams uh so definitely four seam two seam slider like always um the last year and a half i would say i've worked a lot on my changeup, um, which has felt really good but uh sometimes it's kind of hard to find game situations when i want to throw it 
Um, I was only able to throw one yesterday, and I think he actually bunted it foul, uh, which I was like kind of annoyed because I was hoping to see you know swing reaction kind of thing, just being competitive. Um, and then uh, I would say the wrinkle, kind of just uh, toying with my slider grip, um, trying to see what kind of movement and kind of speed differential I can get. So kind of kind of toying with that. Um, I think that was the same pitch I hit that guy with yesterday. So, you know, not perfected quite yet, but, you know, I'm feeling good, trying some new things, and my arm is feeling good. So, you know, that's definitely a nice uh, hurdle to get over when it comes to, like, trying new off-speed pitches and things like that. Last one for you. Chris Hook described you as strong. You know, I asked him to describe some of the new guys. He just went, strong man. So how would you describe yourself in your game to Bruce fans that may not be familiar? Um... I uh, like to pitch aggressively in the zone. Uh, I pride myself on my command, so you know, keeping these guys off the bases with free free walks and, and hit batters. Uh, although yesterday wasn't my best example. Spring training, uh, spring, yeah, yeah, first one. Um, but yeah, you know, pitching aggressive, staying in the zone. Um, I like to think when I go out there, I give us a chance to win, and you know, I want that ball every five days, and and I see that as my game. So I'm trying to get through you know six, seven innings and give our bullpen a chance to uh, slam the door shut, and you know, hopefully get us a win. So appreciate the time. Best of luck and good health this year, man. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. I love that last part of it. I expect to go six, seven innings. Now, look, I think the Brewers are going to be very cautious given his injury history. Again, he hasn't pitched in a big league game in three seasons. And I know he understands that. The Brewers understand that. But would love to see it for Joe Ross. Because having a guy that isn't just Freddie Peralta be able to go long and face in a lineup a third time through is going to be very key for this team. Now, they may do things unconventionally. You, you may have some tandem days with Jacob Junis and Aaron Ashby combining, or maybe you have Colin Ray and Bryce Wilson combining, that sort of thing. It may be a little funky at times, but in order for it to be funky, you have to have guys like Joe Ross, like Freddie Peralta, like D.L. Hall, that can go six-plus innings and make sure that that bullpen can be fresh enough for any given night. And also what helps is having the offense get, score you more runs. But, hey, if it was that easy, everybody would do it. All right, up against the break, we're going to re-rack the top of the hour in just a moment. We are going until 8.30 tonight, leading you into Bucks coverage here on WTMJ. More Brewers Weekly coming up after this. More Brewers Weekly coming up on WTMJ. All right, up against the break. Got to take it here in just a little bit. For the bottom of the hour, for our next 30 minutes or so, we're going to come up right after the news here. We're going to get into some outfield thoughts as we've gone position by position uh, so far to this point as well. And also get some starting pitching news because we did get some news on that today. And I do want to address all of that coming up. And it all has to do with Wade Miley, a, a major key to all of this for the Brew Crew and making sure the starting rotation works. Also want to address uh, the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel fan survey that was released, the results from that, uh, that was uh, shared from our friends Todd Rosiak and Kurt Hogue this week. And uh, I, I, I tend to agree with a lot of the fans on that one, but uh, you know me, I'm an optimist. We'll uh, break some of that down. Here as well, coming up in the final 30 minutes of our week-long, long week of coverage here on WTMJ. Uh, we'll re-rack it here at the top of the hour. Stay with us after the news on WTMJ. On the field, inside the clubhouse, and everything in between, this is Brewers Weekly. Here's Dominic Catronio. 
All right, welcome back. We've got another 20 minutes plus or so to get through some thoughts here. Let me open things up with some pitching thoughts. And you may have seen the headline today. If you follow MLB Trade Rumors closely, follow our colleague Todd Rosiak. Uh, I was in the media session as well today when today Pat Murphy you know, kind of misspoke and wanted to backtrack on it and said it's about a 50-50 shot that Wade Miley is ready for opening day. And now he didn't want to go specific, did Murphy. We'll let you know more in about 10 days. So he didn't want to say any imaging, didn't want to say he felt something or anything. But remember, we played an interview with Wade Miley on Monday. I had taped that in the previous week. And Wade openly admitted, yeah, we're taking it slow on purpose. You need a little luck on your side. He's 36 years old. Murph then spun it into a thing like, well, he's almost 50, you know, and made it a whole joke about it. But I I was taking a deep dive into the schedule here, and a reminder, the Brewers don't technically need a fifth starter until, like, the third week of the season because of all the off days and everything. Now, if there's a rain out in New York, that can certainly change some things. But as things stand right now, you can have Freddie Peralta go opening day, right? Then you have the rainout day on the 29th. That's an off day on that Friday. And then you get another off day on Monday the 1st, which means Freddie could both start opening day and the home opener on normal rest, even though it's only three games. And then there's another off day on Thursday, which would mean he could pitch on Sunday if they wanted to and give him, you know, on his fifth day, or they could wait until the road trip on Monday the 8th. And then that Monday would be the first day that they would need, or that week, I should say, that Friday would be the first day that they actually need a fifth starter. And you re- you realistically have a little more than a month. You have essentially five-plus weeks to make sure you have that fifth starter ready to go if that's when Wade Miley is able to rejoin the rotation, things like that. With Without overreacting and just looking at this from a realist's view, Wade's going to get hurt this year. Or there's going to be a, a time, a week, a, a couple, a stint where Wade has to miss a start or two. That's kind of in the models. That's sort of why the Brewers have so many starting pitchers available right now. Now, are they Corbin Burns and Brandon Woodruff? No, but that's why they're going with as much volume as they can. Jansen Junk is certainly in the mix. Uh, we've already talked about Joe Ross. Junis may not be your traditional six innings and go kind of guy, but he is in the mix. Ashby is in the mix, to say the least. And then you've got the guys that are, you know, you got a guy like Robert Gasser, who's not on the 40-man roster yet, who could be coming up in a pinch and make a start there as well. So that's that's five names I just listed for maybe three spots, right? Because you know you're going to have Freddie, you know you're going to have DL, and you know you're going to have Colin Ray. Now, Colin could be in a little bit of this in that package too, so you could say it's more like six names for three or four spots, but I, I still like where the Brewers are, even without Wade Miley, if he is or is not in this picture on opening day. If he's in the picture come middle of the season and helping you get innings through the end of the year, then I'm good with that. If he misses opening day, it'll be nothing but a footnote, hopefully come June, when he's pitching back like Wade Miley's old self. So I don't want people to overreact to it, because in text, the 50-50 quote certainly looks alarming. But 
Murph himself was already backtracking the comment when he was making it. Not because, oh man, I shouldn't have said that, but more like, ah, you know, that, that's too drastic. But it is what he said. I understand why Todd reported on it. So I just wanted to give some clarification there because, look, Freddie goes number one. Maybe D.L. Hall goes number two. And then it's kind of wide open from there. And I can't wait to see Freddie on Sunday. He is scheduled to pitch there. We'll learn more about how much he's expected to go. Probably somewhere in the two to three inning range, somewhere in the 45 to 55 pitch range. I would imagine for Freddie Peralta is what they're going for in Scottsdale against the Arizona Diamondbacks, looking for a revenge game. I'm just kidding. The Brewers, it's funny, the Brewers actually won't see the Diamondbacks until September in the regular season. They'll see them on back-to-back weekends, so it'll be weird to see them a couple of times here in spring training and then uh, see you in September in a pretty, pretty tight fashion. But you may have seen that, wanted to calm the masses and make sure we're all squared away there. Good? Good. All right, let's talk a little bit about the outfield coming up next as we're getting closer to wrapping up our program and getting ready for the Bucks game here on WTMJ. Stay with us. Brewers Weekly rolls on for another 20, 15 minutes or so right here on WTMJ. Let's talk a little outfield, shall we? Dominic Catronio. I realize I never really clarified on why next week is so important for the Brewers and their position players is because we finally see some split squad action coming for the Brew Crew next week. So you've got split squad games uh, next week starting on Wednesday. Now, Monday is the first off day of spring training for the Brewers. They'll have back-to-back Mondays off, the 4th and the 11th. And then uh, you look at your wristwatch all of a sudden, and bam, uh, it's going to be opening day with only one more off day coming up after that for spring training. But looking at split squads, you got Wednesday is a split squad, one against the Reds, one against the Guardians. you got a split squad over the weekend, two Friday and Saturday, because the Brewers, half their club, will be headed to Las Vegas, baby, to take on the Oakland A's as they have their big league weekend. Now, this isn't because the A's are moving to Vegas. It's This is something that they've been doing the last few years, uh, trying to lure baseball to come there, but also the A's AAA affiliate is there in Vegas, so they do a weekend every season. And this year... The Brewers are the opponent for the A's, spending two games in Las Vegas at uh, Visit Las Vegas Ballpark, the Aviators home stadium there in Vegas near the Strip. So you're going to have three split squad games next week and plenty of opportunity for these position battles to start shaking out. I imagine we'll hear about the first reassignment to minor league camp uh, this week as well. Granted, minor league camp hasn't technically started yet. There's a few early spring guys here, but it will formally open up next week as we get closer and closer to the regular season beginning. So that's going to be very important to keep an eye on. As for the outfield right now, I know Jackson's been off to a slow start, but I was talking to some folks today. I mean, I think we'd all be pretty surprised if for some reason Jackson Churio is not going to be on the uh, opening day roster. He is just 10 days away from his uh, 20th birthday, the final days of his uh, youth, in a way, I guess. He's still going to be young, no kidding. But that's certainly, I think, uh, I don't want to put it in Sharpie, but I'd be pretty surprised after that extension and wanted to see him hurdle some challenges here for Jackson Churio to not be on the opening day roster for the Brew Crew. But then that leaves the corners. And as we talked about in the infield segment, I, I know it was a lot of a headline this week and following Sal, play a little bit of third base, and he'll probably start a couple of more games and get some more reps there or second base, whatever they decide to choose for him. 
I just don't see a way that the Brewers would actually start him at second base or third base for that matter, and then have you know Mitchell in right, Churio in center, Yelich in left. And Yelich has made it clear he wants to still play defense, which that's totally fine by me. If you want to say, oh, yo, you have to be the DH, well, maybe he won't be as effective as an everyday DH. And as I've outlined on this program before, it's not as easy as you think it is where you just, all right, well, I guess I'm just the hitter today. It's kind of harder to lock in. And, yes, I know he's a veteran and should be able to do that. It's not that easy. So that's something to keep in mind. And then your your fourth outfielder competition uh, of Joey Weimer, uh, is he going to make this team if Sal Freelich is going to be in right field and Garrett Mitchell has to maybe be that fourth outfielder instead? Uh, you, you like the fact that Joey can hit lefties. Garrett really hasn't. Granted, it just isn't a long enough sample size for us to judge Garrett. And Garrett has not been optioned yet, and maybe they just want to see him get every day at bats and be able to play every day in AAA and be ready at a moment's notice. But, again, I think I'd be surprised by that. I've talked myself into, you know, Sal in right, Jackson in center, Yelich in left, Garrett as my fourth outfielder slash pinch runner because I'd rather have Garrett available off the bench to run for a Gary Sanchez at some point late in the game if his run really matters. So, and being able to put him in defense certainly helps, and that's where the Sal versatility to play the infield can maybe show its head as well. So if I had to guess right now, again, it's March 1st, take it with a grain of salt. If I had to guess right now, you know, I, I, I keep Sal in the outfield, Jackson's my center fielder, and Garrett's my fourth outfielder. And I know Weimer is going through a swing change and everything like that. It needs to carry over, in the words of Pat Murphy. He's, he got his first hit of spring training yesterday. I imagine he'll be in the lineup tomorrow against the Dodgers. But it needs to carry over. need to continue to see contact from Joey Weimer, otherwise they'll send him to AAA and get more consistent at-bats. Garrett's going to be your fourth outfielder, and don't forget that Jake Bowers can play corner outfield in a pinch for the Brewers, and if he's going to be firm on this roster. In the event, you know, you need somebody to come in for that, you still got Blake Perkins on the 40-man, you still got Vinny Capra on the 40-man as well, and remember, it's these under-the-radar deals that will suddenly pop up when you least expect it, like Blake Perkins getting the walk-off against the Pirates, having low-key was one of the best outfield defenders in baseball last year, low-key one of the fastest sprint speeds in baseball last year. Some, some of these things just pop up out of nowhere, so just remember to keep your head on a swivel for that sort of thing. Okay, let's uh, take our last break here and get ready to wrap things up on what has been an epic week of coverage. Thank you for everybody who's listened, and uh, we'll recap it. And we'll also talk a little bit about what to expect this weekend with the upcoming broadcast schedule. The Dashers are in town tomorrow. We'll talk about them up next here on WTMJ. It's Brewers Weekly on WTMJ. Okay, big thank you to everybody who's listened this week. A lot of content dropped here on WTMJ. I have a notebook drop today. I'm refiring up my YouTube channel as well. I'm planning on doing just a little more informal content there. This season, not everything needs to be perfectly manicured right, and I've got some big plans. I'm really, really excited for what we can create this year together. So you can follow me on Twitter at Dom underscore C-O-T-R-O-N-E-O. That's on Twitter. Uh, Instagram is Dom Brewers WTMJ, a little bit easier to spell, Dom Brewers WTMJ, and that's also my handle on YouTube, Dom Brewers WTMJ. I'm posting all my interviews on YouTube as well. 
uh, all the stuff you've heard here on Brewers All Access. There's not going to be any like exclusives or anything like that, but there is one thing I've got up there that's more of a visual audience thing than a radio audience thing. It's the story of Hobie Milner and Jansen Junk that are creating a homemade glove right now. Uh, it's on that YouTube page. That's, again, Dom Brewers WTMJ. It was a challenge from Pat Murphy, and uh, it was a pretty funny story. Uh, and uh, the glove looks like, uh, kind of looks like a glove, I, I guess. It's it's pretty funny, so I hope you guys go check that out. They are far from done. They wanted to make that very clear. They are not done with the glove yet, as uh, it's been a fun little side project for them this spring training. Let's look ahead to what's coming up for the Brew Crew. Okay, so tomorrow... Right here on WTMJ, you've got the Brewers hosting the Dodgers. Now, L.A. is hosting a night game right now, and I was looking at the lineup. It's pretty much their A lineup tonight. So if you're expecting Otani, if you're expecting Betts, if you're expecting Freeman, if you're expecting Hayward, I want to hold your breath. Um, I, I, I just... That doesn't happen, night day game after night game, and for it to be a road game, I, I don't think those guys are going to be coming over here. I could be wrong, but, uh, again, it's mostly an A lineup tonight for the Dodgers. I don't expect them to be coming over tomorrow. It'll be for the Brew Crew. They'll have a, a host of arms ready to go in this one, and I'm pulling up the, uh, the game notes right now. Tomorrow, it's going to be Jansen Junk getting the start against Kyle Hurt. Then Sunday, as we mentioned, it'll be Freddie Peralta, also here on WTMJ, against the Diamondbacks at Salt River Fields. It is the crown jewel of all of spring training, if you ask me. Not just the Cactus League, the Grapefruit League as well. Salt River Fields is the best. It's If you can only pick, you know, if you know you're going to Cactus League play and you can only go to one stadium other than American Family Fields of Phoenix, or you want to catch the Brewers in a road game, I would tell you to go to Salt River Fields. It's the best. It's just a giant berm that's easy to sit from, great seating opportunities, great food, easy to get to with the parking and the highway situation. Uh, It's awesome. I absolutely love Salt River Fields, so can't wait to be there on Sunday. And then an off day. Yeah, an off day on Monday. Uh, I will be teeing it up. Don't look for me. I will be out there playing some golf and uh, enjoying my time there. And then they are in Scottsdale once again on Tuesday. That will be uh, Jacob Junis getting the start against his former team on Scottsdale. uh, Right in the heart of Old Town against the Giants. All games at 2 o'clock Central Time right here on WTMJ. Uh, as for the Brew Crew and what's been going on, thank you again to everybody who's hung out. And there will be a few more games on the radio this weekend. Uh, just real quick for the people who have tweeted me multiple times about Bob Euchre. It, it, it's Bob Euchre's schedule, and he will decide to do games when he wants to. And I promise you, we hear you. We see you. And if there was news to report about Bob Euchre, we would report it about Bob Euchre. And I, I can tell you, let, let's make sure he's good to go for the regular season. I know you want to feel like it's summer and it's getting closer with hearing him on spring training. I, I'd love to hear him as well. But let's uh, let's make sure that he can see him on uh, home opener coming up on April 2nd back at American Family Field. So appreciate everyone's well wishes about Bob. But uh, it, it's his call of when he wants to get into spring training. And let's make sure he can... Get things going. And uh, we love Bob. He's doing great. Good to see him 
uh, here pretty soon here as baseball is nearing its real beginning. Okay. <sighs> my thanks to all of my producers this week today. Isaac Marquardt helping us out as he did on Monday as well. Max Meyerson back on Wednesday. Jessica and Greg on Wisconsin's Midday News. They have me on every day. I'll be on every Tuesday for the rest of spring training, making an appearance with Wisconsin's Midday News as well. Also, the guys in the morning news playing some cuts that I sent in to those guys as well. So thank you for bearing with me all week long. My name is Dominic Catronio. I'll talk to you next week. Until then, keep on swinging.